0: welcome to only real fans i'm your host brian Riley, along with dylan Bentlodge. and on today's show we have a very special guest james tobble a former classmate of dylan's from elementary school who's also from a very musically talented family that was featured on season three of america's got talent and now he's an emmy award-winning video producer for mlb network the song you're hearing behind me is celtic dance epilogue from the Tobble family, which you can find on YouTube or Spotify. Very interesting interview. We learn a lot about him, his family, his music career, his video career. And now he currently runs his own live streaming company called Treehouse Media Inc. It was great talking with James, and I hope you all really enjoy the interview. I'm
1: James Bryan. Brian
0: James, you guys didn't even know. Yeah, nice to nice virtually meet you. Welcome to the show. It's good to be here. But so you were just saying you just started
1: Sopranos last week, man. Have you watched any more? Just the pilot. Just the pilot. Uh, It's
2: really good so far. I mean, I've done like, honestly, so like I said, I'm a, I'm a breaking bad junkie. I've seen the show probably like four or five times. So I, and everyone always compares them. Everyone's like, which one's better? Sopranos or breaking bad. So like I watched the pilot and maybe I'm a psycho for this, but I watched the pilot and then I went and read like comparison non-spoiler comparisons of breaking bad and sopranos as if i've seen sopranos now after the pilot <laughs> uh but i'm i'm really looking forward to like continuing on watching it see uh see I, I see what the hype's all about i mean like i said breaking bad is my favorite so we'll see if this uh this changes things have you watched better call saul yet I have watched the first three seasons, I think. I gotta finish it. It's a little slower. No, Better Call Saul really good. It's like very very well written. Character development's great. Um, but the it's it's a slower pace. You're not seeing guys get, you know, get their heads blown off like you do in Breaking Bad, so <laughs> yeah. it took a little that's, while to get true. back into it, you know? Yeah,
1: but come on. Breaking Bad Honestly, is also though. slow paced. For like the first season, I love Breaking Bad, don't yeah. get me wrong, but the first season, what's the big um, example everyone uses is like um... When he blows up Tuca's office with... Oh, uh, yeah, like, that was sick. He's like, you
2: brought me more meth? And he's like, this isn't meth. And he throws it on the ground and the whole office explodes. Yeah,
0: that was badass. Yeah, but that was they cool. Also,
1: they also, don't they dispose of a body in, like, a
0: tub that takes... Oh, a- yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Episodes, like, if I didn't binge it... I no, it's just
0: more, one episode. You know? Is it just one episode? Yeah, it's the whole, it's the whole episode, because, like, they're doing... Yeah, they're doing that, and they... Well, it's not the whole episode. I shouldn't say that. I'm pretty sure it's it's like half the episode because they have Crazy Eight locked up in the basement. Yeah. And then Walt just kind of snaps and kills him. So then well, they he's have well, to- he's
2: gonna let him go, but he sees that the plate So he oh, brought right. a, he brought a sandwich down with a plate on it, and the guy broke the plate and took a, a shard of the plate and saw it in his pocket so he was about to let him go and the guy was the crazy eight was like oh and i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hurt you i'm gonna forget all about this and then he sees the right. blade in his pocket
1: he's like are you gonna stick me with that blade and then you know obviously he kills him but he was gonna let Spoiler him go for breaking bad fans or people <laughs> that want to watch the show i mean you had your time now to watch it if you yeah.
0: haven't watched it like come on There's figure no it out spo- yeah after like i think like a month or two after something ends or like comes out you don't need a spoiler tag he had your yep. chance but i gotta say though better call soul every season it gets better at this point where it's currently at i'd say it's just it's up there with breaking bad for me it's like just as good yeah the last season was like unreal start to finish super good but
1: i always find that really strange like I, you know so better to call Saul is better you couldn't really have it without breaking bad as well right and i always like it kind of goes back to those arguments of like Terminator Terminator 2 Or type things like that Like the new Soprano They're going to do A Sopranos movie So James you start At the right time Because they're going to Release like this movie That takes place beforehand With like Tony's dad But I'm debating Whether or not That's like If it's going to be good One it's going to be Really hard to be better You should really Continue with Sopranos But too like, if it is better, you would never be able to have that movie without the success of the first thing. So how can it actually be better?
2: Well, it's also, it's like uh, um, El Camino, you know what I mean? Like, as a, again, as a Breaking Bad fan, um, I I thought that El Camino was worth it. Um, but it was a huge gamble because you, like you said, you see a ton of other franchises and movies, and you know, like Star Wars, for instance, for me personally, could have stopped after the first six and it would have been totally fine, but they took the gamble on adding the rest of the movies. But, um, you know, the it's it's a huge gamble because you see franchises just destroy themselves like the hangover i mean the hangover didn't need to make they didn't need to make another hangover but they did and then it's like, oh
1: it wasn't that good and um if the if if anybody could see our faces right now but the star wars thing it's leaving a bad taste in my mouth i i can't like i haven't i haven't even started mandalorian because i'm so sick of the star wars and what disney's done with it that i just don't have any energy for it anymore and everyone's like you gotta watch it you gotta watch it and i'm like it is refreshing i'll
0: say that it do, it, it's, it's very much so its own thing. It doesn't try to follow the footsteps of other things, of mm-hmm. other Star Wars things. Like it has like obviously some characters referenced and, and whatnot from the original Star Wars, but it doesn't it doesn't try too hard to be like the next best Star Wars thing. It's very much so in its own lane.
2: Yeah, I, I watched the I watched a bit of the first season of Mandalorian. I liked it. It's different. It's not like what I meant was the first six movies of Star Wars were great, you know, and then they tried to make the same movies, but try to make it better. You know what I mean? Like a more modern take on the same movies, whereas The Mandalorian is a completely different take on the whole Star Wars theme, which is which works. I mean, people love it. Um, but it's like for them to come out with all of the new movies like Rogue One and, and not that they're bad. It just it's, it, was, it wasn't worth it. I mean, you kind of for a lot of people, you put a sour taste, you know, on the whole franchise just because you decided well, to keep making movies
0: for
1: money. Oh, just yeah. like, you know, like it's different. Oh, we're going to make money six. off this? I love money. <laughs> like it's different with the original six because the original six, they were made because like, obviously they want to like the creators like George Lucas wants to be successful, but he's doing it for passion. And then Disney comes involved and it's like, how much money can we squeeze out of this? Like they have movies planned until 2050. That is like an insane, insane amount of Star Wars. Yeah, I was I've really gotten into Star Trek recently because I think Star Trek lends itself better to a lot because it's really it's not about a specific story. So Star Wars really was just like the saga and then they built off the saga. But um, Star Trek is really about just the world building itself. So they had multiple TV shows running at one time because it was really about this like massive group called the Federation and you could just show a bunch of different shows about different ships. And so there's almost, they almost set themselves up for never having too much because they can always expand on their world, which I think is really cool. Star mm. Wars didn't do that as well. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I with with Star Wars, I mean, like you said, it's like you
2: have you have the good guys and you have the bad guys, and that's it, right? It's like you, it feels like there's only two factions. Whereas with Star Trek, like you said, there's an unlimited amount of potential people that you can cover. Whereas it's like there's different wars and battles and sh- and, and and quarrels that people have. In war, Star Wars, it's like okay, you have the dark side and you have the the the, the Jedi's and and what, and you have these two forces fighting against each other and then that's it you know what i mean it, i mean there's other that seems like what it's always about
1: yeah like and there are also
0: movies though like you know a show i feel like you have a wider a wider array of themes and topics you can you can put in but like for a movie especially if it's like an episodic movie series you kind of have to in a way, like stick to that. You can't really and stick to a much too crazy. Theme.
1: Like a much broader theme. So the theme is really just exploration. Like if you dumb down Star Trek to one thing, it's just about uh, space exploration. Whereas Star Wars, like you're saying, James, is just strictly good and evil. And how many times can we rehash that story? The thing I hate about the new ones feels like it's an afterthought. Because like they kill the Emperor in six and then you're like, oh shit, there's a whole new thing going on like like they didn't apparently get rid of it is it just gonna always
0: go back and forth and he was there the whole time plotting the whole thing somehow (laughs) (laughs) the old bastard did you watch any more Sopranos
1: yet or no you're only on the first episode
2: me no i'm i'm still i i uh i gotta get around to it um like it was like a week or two ago where i watched it so i i I, I, one, I need to get an HBO Max subscription and two, uh, need to just sit down and, and put away a solid like four hours a day to it. Cause I'm not, I'm not the type of watcher that's like, okay, one episode tonight and one episode tomorrow, no, 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 I'm just <laughs> binging. I watched Breaking Bad in two weeks. I mean, it's like, I am abs- mm-hmm. have a big issue with binging, um, but it's <laughs> if it's good, I mean, I can't not watch it.
1: So I'll probably True. get through isn't it, it crazy, pretty quick. Isn't it crazy that like 10 years ago, we wouldn't have had an option. Like I remember starting to watch episodic TV shows and having to wait the week. And like now it's so, it's so unheard of that maybe a few TV shows I'll do that for, but really what I want is just like a whole day To just watch as
0: many as I can. Yeah. I forget about them. Like, like, especially if it's a show that I got into via binging, like Bob's Burgers, for example. Like, that show's still on. And the new season's currently out, but I'm not up to date on it. Because, like, I kind of forget about it. Because I was so used to just, like, once this, you know, I just watch it from season one to the end, and that's it. I never really felt like I needed to wait. Or, like, you know, I wasn't used to waiting a week to watch the next one. Specifically
2: with Breaking Bad, I don't understand how people were able to do it because there are some, mo- there are, I mean, countless moments in Breaking Bad where, um, the end of an episode happens. Like the, probably, I mean, there's a million, but the one where Jesse is about to go kill the two, um, the uh, two drug dealers for Gus, right? They had just started working with Gus and these two drug dealers had killed his girlfriend's yeah, yeah. son Friend. or brother, I forget. And, he just, he's walking up. It's this huge build, the suspension and then walk just drives in and runs him over and then shoots him in the head and just <laughs> run. And then that's the end of the episode. And you're like, Oh my God. Like, I, what? And you, I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine having to wait seven days. To watch what happens next like cliffhangers
1: just... cliffhangers are just dead like they don't matter anymore because you get so excited You're like well if anything cliffhangers just serve to like make me lose sleep yeah if exactly. i'm watching it late at night and there's a cliffhanger i will always push another hour of sleep away in yeah. order to just see one more episode well, that's so it's was was really say. just bad for my work life yeah
0: like cliffhangers are actually better now for the binge watching community because then it's like oh yeah well i'll do the next one who cares <laughs> oh yeah like, so you know, it's like three
1: in the morning or something, and I'm like screwed for work the next day. Thank God, it's a lot of remote working nowadays. And I can just do it in my bathrobe.
0: <laughs> do you, um, you ever see that? Um, I forget. This was on one of the late night shows, I think, but it was like it was a skit with um, for Breaking Bad, and it was like Hal from Malcolm in the Middle, like you know, Brian Cranston's playing. Ha, uh, his character again from yeah. Malcolm in the Middle waking up from a bad dream about like everything that happened in Breaking Bad was just Hal from Malcolm in the Middle dreaming about it he's next to Lois It's like oh god that was so weird <laughs> did you guys jump did you guys see uh, uh, Your Honor no
2: what's Your Honor it's the uh, Brian mm-hmm. Cranston show on Showtime it came out last year oh
0: I've heard of it I haven't watched that he plays no, a judge and
2: in the in the first like 10 minutes his son who's asthmatic hits a kid on a bike he's driving and he hits a kid driving a motorcycle and the kid dies and his son this is all in the trailer so i'm not spoiling like any like major plot (laughs) points here but uh the the kid dies and his brian cranston's son drives away in the whole that whole sequence he's having an asthma attack so it's super suspenseful he's like he can't breathe and this kid's dying on the road and he's like what do i do Anyway, Brian Cranston's a judge and so he was going to turn his son in but then come to find out the kid who died is the son of like a, a drug uh, mafia kingpin. And so he knows that Brian Cranston knows that his son's probably going to die in jail if he goes to prison. So then he just like, all right, I'm now going to be a dirty judge and I'm going to try to cover up
1: for my son's so murder it's just breaking bad but he's a judge he's exactly a it's, judge. and it's in my
2: my theory as well as a lot of others is that it's uh it's walter jr uh grown up uh and now he's huh. a judge and uh now he's, he's doing walter white stuff
0: yeah that's so that's so funny. does every episode start with him having breakfast because if so then i think it might be walter jr yeah just pancakes right it's just a lot of pancakes uh, i
1: saw a movie with brian Kanston called uh whitaker i think or whitaker or something like that where he he's like a businessman it was actually a ridiculous movie he's a businessman and on his way home from new york to connecticut because he lives in connecticut and he's a commuter he decides i'm just not going to come home and he goes and lives in the attic in his in his garage for a year and a half and just like watches his family as he just <laughs> comes home from the window and like grows a beard and grows long hair and like oh, is it complete- Wakefield wakefield that's it and he decides to just live in the attic and watch the turmoil that ensues and i'm like this is the weirdest idea for a movie but how the hell do they not know that there's like a dude living in their attic <laughs>
0: his his career is so strange because like after breaking bad you know like he got all his praise rightfully so and he got he was put cast in so many movies and all the ones where he was like the lead role like weren't that good like he's good in them but like the stuff that he was hired to be like the lead in like weren't that great they're very average or like weird like this Wakefield movie like all the other ones that he was in that are really good are like Isle of Dogs or like Argo where he's not like the lead guy he's just kind of there he's not he's not Godzilla. the money he's not bringing the move oh my god so he's not he's not <laughs> even the lead in that they kill him off
2: <laughs> I uh well it's Truman too Truman was pretty good he um but yeah it's like his I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I'm pretty sure he won best actor in the Emmys. Uh, in a leading role, four out of the five seasons that Breaking Bad was on, uh, maybe five out of five, I forget. But I mean, it was just a staggering number of you know best best acting on his part. Bro, so you like, can you can
1: give him a call now. Is there like an e- Emmy uh, association, like <laughs> Emmy winner association? Uh, and I got a card. Uh, yeah, no, I'm a Ooh. part of the club
2: now. No, no, actually, do you, ha- you no. have right. Do you have? Do you have? Do you have your like your your trophy. Your yeah, Emmy yeah, it's trophy? right. It's right here. Yeah, can I have. Can we see it? Yeah, of oh, course, see it.
0: Yeah. We- That'd be so sick, man. <laughs> Jamie, roll a <the> clip. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, Jamie, can you uh, can you roll the clip?
0: <laughs> uh, here it is. Oh my that's that's god! Wow, Dude, so that's everyone amazing. on your team got one.
2: Yeah. So the way it works is so to give you a little back. Uh, backstory um i've been i'll just sit this here so
1: you know. oh, yeah, sure. oh yeah just put it in view yeah okay. <laughs> there we go. actually you could just you can move out of camera and we can yes, just share you that know it's like, you the emmy will be doing the interview uh, now um,
2: no so i so for those who don't know i'm um i worked at mlb network for a few years um right out of college as an editor Um, I was a a video producer for them. So I was editing um, all video content. So we MLB Network, when I got there started, it was just um, television, right? It was just, okay, the Red Sox and Yankees would play and we cut a highlight for the game, like a recap, right? And then there's all these other little videos that we'd play on air uh, on live TV, right? And then, you know, over the years, they started taking on all of MLB.com's videos. So like all the little... Go socks, baby! Um, I, uh, <laughs> gross, gross. I, I'm a big socks fan, so yeah, that's a
0: good hat. Um, Actually, you know what? You know what? Hold on, I'm going to get my George Costanza Yankees jersey and wear that for the rest of this interview.
2: <laughs> so, so uh, anyway, so event, you know, slowly but surely, we added on more responsibilities for the network. So even though it was MLB Network doing it, um, uh, we also took on MLB.com's content. So if you go to MLB.com, you'll see. Uh, every if there's a if a run gets scored right if somebody scores a run off of an error we would make a video of that person scoring and send it to MLB.com so that's just like an example we do all of the social media stuff as well so everything you see on MLB Instagram YouTube Facebook everything Twitter uh, we would be producing all of that so again when I started it really was just on air content then it turned into this much larger thing um but yeah i i was working on a mlb tonight which is like the flagship show for mlb network and uh and we were we've been nominated for an emmy um pretty much every year that de- the the network's been around since 2009 um they've won uh, mlb networks won uh probably 15 to 20 emmys um just for its excellence in te- you know live television, um, and so I was able to be on the team uh, that won you know, for best daily uh, daily show for sports um, MLB tonight we be- we beat Sports Center we beat the Dan Patrick Show we beat uh, um, pardon the interruption Dan Patrick Show,
1: Dan Patrick show also very strange because me and James went to school with Dan Patrick's daughter. So it's like a couple oh, of different we wow. Yeah, we did with Georgia Patrick. We yeah. Were, shout out to Georgia Patrick wherever she is in the world now. But uh, yeah, we were in the same school. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, well. that's really cool. Yeah. I
2: think I, I actually uh I asked Georgia Patrick to be my Valentine in like 5th grade, I think. So that's pretty funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, did she say no?
2: Oh, well, she was very nice about it. She was like, thank you for the card. And that was it.
0: <laughs> so basically, she this was your no, way of so saying, I like, I look at me a now. Do you wish you were my Valentine? Um, yeah, you beat
1: her dad for an Emmy, bro. I mean, like at this point, you should ask her again. She might say yes. But so how long did it take you to go from editor to producer man? So I mean it's all kind of all
2: encompassing in the role. Um it, it, I wasn't a producer. I was more of a video producer, right? So like the kind of, you know, or a broadcast associate, you know, what there's, you know, there's different terms that you could throw around. But um, you know, my that my day-to-day responsibility was, hey, listen, we you know, it could be anything from we need a fifteen second clip of this guy just mashing home runs Um, or it could be, Hey, we need a three minute essay B rolled and, and sound design and audio and music and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different stuff that we would work on, um, and so when you know there's different levels like I said you get there and you could either you know you could be a logger which is literally just watching everything and taking notes and and entering it into a system so that the editors like myself could go in and search okay Derek Jeter home run on this date against this pitcher and you, it'll take you right to that play um Oh very cool. And so that's that's how we would go and find the footage right cuz I mean there's so much I mean you have 100 years of of you know of stuff to work from so Right um, you know the loggers are the backbone of the of the network even though they don't get treated very, they don't they don't really uh, they don't get paid well they work very long late hours and but they really the the network doesn't run if it's not for the, the loggers
0: okay so one thing I always notice especially in the MLB more than any other sport I feel like they pull the most outrageous like weird stats to display like whether it's on their talk shows or in the middle of a game like I remember um, I saw one recently and it was like Um, total number of home runs hit that were over 450 yards. And it was like, they were just highlighting the fact that like Aaron judge and George and Stan had way more than anybody else in the league. And I was like, yeah, but what does this mean? It doesn't mean that they're good. This means they're powerful hitters. It doesn't mean that they're like consistently hitting home runs. So like, Are you how how does like MLB like come up with like wanting to display stat like that? And like who the fuck like picks that? So, um,
2: baseball is you know, it's a different, um, if you look at football, if you look at basketball, if you look at hockey, yes, all of those sports have wild statistics and they're very deep statistically, but um, the action is always right there in your face on the field a lot of the time. Football is people forget that football is always a very slow paced sport, but anyway, I digress. Um, Baseball is it's it's slow, right? There are obvious I I love baseball. I played division one baseball in college. I was a pitcher. um, So I have a very close relationship with baseball um, is aside from just working at MLB Network. But my point is, is that baseball, as you know, uh, you'll you'll ha- all right. First inning. Right. OK. Guys get a few hits. There's runners on base. You know, it's loud. People are excited. They might score a run or two. OK, great. And then there's not another hit till the sixth. And it's just a pitcher's duel. And if you don't, if you know, it's like a pitcher's duel for some people is boring. I was a pitcher. I I love it's. You know, if you love the game of baseball, you know what's going on in a pitcher's duel, what he's doing, how he's attacking the hitters um and uh, you know how he's keeping the batters off balance right to to get them to be unsuccessful at the plate but as the broadcaster you have to come up with stuff to talk about right it's like yeah there's another strikeout and now let's talk about something else right let's talk about his fip or his era plus or his you know uh, uh, weighted runs created plus or his his war you know there's all there's all these tons of statistics um and baseball, I, my point is that baseball has more statistics to talk about than any other sport. And at MLB specifically, we have a whole research department. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't work there anymore. I, I, I finished up my tenure there this past fall after the World Series, but, um, we, uh, you know, the MLB network has an an entire department of researchers and these guys know more about the game than you could ever imagine. I mean, their their job is to know the stats. Right. So, um, you know, they can say, hey, listen, when was the last time this specific thing happened? And they'll have an answer for you, you know, in a few minutes of like 1987, July 2nd of this, you know, this random player. Um, so yeah. they do a, they
0: do a really good job. So that gets like curated, like live, like someone behind the scenes, like they kind of communicate with each other. Like, okay, we need this. We need like Joe Buck to talk about the fact that like the last time a 20 year old shortstop for the New York Yankees hit a double was in 1985 on this exact same day. So like they like, so the producers, um, Or like the director, if there even is a director during like a like a baseball game, they kind of come up with that and then they they ship it off. They ship that stat off to the commentator to, to talk about. Yeah. So the way, so this is kind of like the hierarchy of the control
2: room, um, for a live game. Uh, it's, it's similar for like just live television. Um, for instance, for MLB tonight, it's a similar setup, but in a live game, uh, we have, so I don't know if you guys noticed on YouTube, there's the YouTube game of the week. If you go to YouTube, um, there's a free game to watch on YouTube every week. Last week it was the Red Sox and Orioles. Um, Anyway, every week there's a game, and so MLB Network sends their team uh, to the location. I don't know if they're doing it now with COVID, but they used to send the team, send a crew to on location. So, say it's in Philly, they'd send the producer, director, cameramen, and uh, other uh, other positions, the researchers. The um, they would have the MLB Network uh, uh, play-by-play guys and the color commentators like John. Um, um, uh, Sorry, I, I'm. The names are uh, uh, escaping me right now, but um, they There's would John John Smoltz, for instance, I think was on last week's. Uh, you know, just like big big name guys. Anyway, they uh, the director is the one that's executing every shot, right? So he'll say, "All right, let's let's uh, let's take camera three. Let's let's have a slow zoom into the plate here, and then we're gonna fade the camera two. Cut the you know that's the director's job. The director's job is to make sure all the graphics are ready to go. All right, cut sound, like cue cue music. Um, hey, we need a lower third here. Let's get this ready. Cut to camera three, run the lower third. You know, that's the director's position, right? The producer is the one that makes all of it, right? Okay. Hey, listen, this is the, our content, right? This is, um, we're going to have an interview with this player in the third inning. Uh, uh, we need to talk about these things during the game. We have, I've, I've had the graphics team make all of these graphics. We need to touch on all of these today. So the producer is the one that makes the rundown for what's going to be talked about, what they're going to be showing. If there's a clip that they're going to play, Oh, back in 1987, when this happened, we're going to have that clip ready. The producer is the one that makes all those decisions. The director is the one that says, Hey, we're going to cut to camera three. It, basically he's like the general, um, the general on the field running the show. Um, when it comes to the little statistics like that, a lot of times, um, if you're up in the booth, right? So John Buck, uh, Joe Buck, excuse me. Um, You know, uh, he'll be up there and he'll be calling the game. He'll have what they call a spotter up in the uh, in the booth, and so the spotter's job is to one locate, for instance, like if it's football. Okay, this guy. uh, makes a big interception, right? The uh, the spotter's job is to figure out who that player is. How many yards did he get after the interception? Okay, how many interceptions does he have this year? How many? Like he's got to get all that information really quickly, and then he relays that info to Joe Buck, and then Joe Buck will oh, then God. say, "Oh, this is Jenkins, number seventy-two for a seventeen-yard interception, his fourth of the year." Right? That all comes from this spotter, um, and so God, that sounds the, stressful. It's a lot. It's a lot. I was the trying sp- to just I, uh, trying to
0: get that that quickly.
2: Yeah, I was the spotter my senior year of college for our football games at Sacred Heart University, where I attended school. Um, and it's stressful. There's a lot of uh, it, things happen very quickly. And you got to be like, OK, that's number 17. That's this guy. How many yards? OK, that's that. How many yards? You know, you just have to have this information ready to go. And yeah. there's a relationship you build the spotter and the the play-by-play guy has a usually have a very good relationship and they work really well together so they feed off of each other i mean they've like uh, al michael's has written a book where he goes into his spotter and it, there's a whole like a ton of the book is dedicated to how important the spotter is but anyway the the research will relay information to the producer the producer will tell the the on-air talent hey listen we're going to talk about this um, if a play happens and he's in the middle of talking about whatever the producer wants him to talk about the spotter will will give him all the info on the play that just happened so there's a whole system um, and there's and there's more to it as well that's a very uh, very uh, intricate uh, um, system that they built
0: but it, it works you know it, it's it's uh, it's yeah. very complicated though yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I've always wanted to know like the inner workings of that, just like how quickly they're able to like conjure up those stats or like, you know, quickly get like a different angle for like a replay and like slow it down and all that. Um, and just know like how far it went and use those graphics to even highlight that stuff. Like, yeah, in, like in real time, that's crazy. Like I, I did very minor work in like the live, live streaming, uh, department for like a project, uh, when I went to Bryant for college and, uh, Like that that was simple. It was like a 15 minute like live shopping network thing that we did. and I I was a producer, so I like I kind of oversaw the whole thing, but that was kind of stressful, too. But it wasn't obviously not nearly as like involved and uh, stressful as it would be to do like, you know, cover a live sports event where you have to do all these different, you know, talking points, replays, throwbacks, um, stats, graphics, what have you right yeah i didn't know you went to bryant uh
2: bulldogs right yep you guys yeah, were, we were our uh, rivals NEC. big rivals yep. in baseball yeah we we didn't like you guys oh, you guys yeah. didn't like us
1: I, if i mentioned it before i'm glad i didn't know the rivalry but if i mentioned before we might not be doing the interview <laughs> i didn't
2: play
1: baseball so, you, so you're a yankee fan rival.
2: you're a yankee fan that went to bryant wow Brian we got Bulldog. some we got some issues here dude <laughs>
1: Where were you guys before, uh, before New Haven? So my,
2: I come from a family of seven kids. Um, we wow. were all, uh, uh, musicians and we sang together and performed, uh, together for 15 years, actually. Um, my twin brother and I are the youngest. Uh, and then it's, there's three girls and four boys. And so all of my older sisters and one of my brothers, they all went to Juilliard. One went to Yale. You know, they were all, they're all very accomplished musician, classical musicians. Um, and I said, you know, I was going down that path for a long time. Um, we were going into New York city every Saturday to go to the Juilliard or Manus, um, pre-college programs, uh, for classical music. And, uh, when i was 16 i was like you know i want to play baseball i think i'm gonna drop the classical music thing and you know it worked out i got a scholarship and got to play but anyway my sister got into yale when she was 16 um while we were living in new hampshire and so we moved to new haven connecticut so that she didn't have to live on campus so that she could still go to yale so that's why we moved to new haven and then from there you know we we made a home for ourselves and you know, I grew up there, but that's why that's originally we were in New Hampshire, like I said, and she got in. She was homeschooled and she got into Yale when she was 16. So she uh, wow.
0: so we all moved. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Did she go for music? Yeah, she was she in the Yale
2: in? cellos. Um, so there's this there's a program called the Yale cellos and they were there was about 15 to 20 of them that got in or the total in the whole in the whole department. And so she was one of them. And so she traveled, she went to South Korea, she tried uh, in other countries, um, performing with the Yale cellos. And I mean, it's a very reputable group. Like I said, I mean, she was going, she was at Juilliard in their pre-college program, I think since she was like 13 and so she was there in Juilliard and she just, uh, excelled very quickly. And, um, and yeah, she got into Yale at a young age and uh, she was doing music there and
1: graduated and now has a lot of debt. But, uh, <laughs> but she, she has a degree, so that's good. Yeah. You had a lot of exposure with music and I know that you guys also did that uh, America's Got Talent when you were younger. I remember that being a big thing when we were in school. Did you know you wanted to combine the sports and the entertainment while you were in college or that come later? So when I was...
2: Uh, for everyone who doesn't know you just touched on it my family and i like i said we performed and traveled you know the country performing we actually made it onto america's got talent in 2008 um and we ended up getting to the top 15 so we were in la for a long time living in you know living the celebrity lifestyle you know (laughs) limousines to the studio and thousands of people outside waiting for us it was cool um So we did that and I got to experience like real live television. Um, And I think that's probably where it all started. I want, I knew I wanted to be a part of that in some way for a long time. I wanted to be um, like a sports anchor. I wanted to be on air. Um, But then I realized that my, my talents were really in the edit room um, and like creating the story instead of, instead of just reading. Um, And so you know, but yes, to answer your question, I I, I do think that from being on NBC and, and being on live TV in front of 40 million people, um, that electricity of the environment uh, definitely carried over into my later life where I was trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. Um, and uh, luckily, Sacred Heart you know i got i got the scholarship to play at sacred heart and i was going to go play baseball wherever i got the offer right so and i was fortunate that sacred heart has a very good uh program for media communications broadcasting broadcast communications um and so from there i you know started exploring that outlet and you know got a job at mlb but yeah the live tv is is um you know i i it's it's stressful it's very fast. It's, Hey, we need this video right now. You have five minutes to edit a video together and it's going on TV in front of millions and millions of people. You have five minutes. Whereas like a movie or like a short or a documentary, it's all pre-produced and pro-produced and you can, you know, color it and make it look nice and uh, live. Right. You gotta get it done, get it out. Um, it's, it's exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now You said that your family, like as a group, like tore it around, like, playing music we would um you know we were a a christian uh music family
2: group um traveling you know we were we would go up and down the east coast we have family in tennessee and so uh that would be like our stopping point but then we'd go to florida georgia louisiana texas you know all the way up to maine um you know literally the entire eastern uh eastern coast we'd be playing in churches and different uh convention centers and no, we 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 grew a pretty big name for ourselves before America's Got Talent. we had a we had a really big following. Um and then, you know, America's Got Talent took off, but um we uh you know, we would just be traveling, jump in the van, all nine of us in this giant white van <laughs> where we just pack in and drive twelve hours and then do a concert and then get back in the van and go three
0: states west. So and- like did you guys just like make this make this tour? Or, like were these churches and like convention centers like like reaching out to you guys like hey um, we love your whole f- you know your whole thing is this family um, orchestral band like come to our church and like play some music during the si- during mass or whatever is that how, how did that get like coordinated
2: so basically it all started out like like i said i have three sisters it went it went girl 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 then boy 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 so it was a split like w- when it comes to like the 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 um lineup of kids uh, How old is a sibling? She's in her 30s. I've, I've lost track. There's so many of us. <laughs> all my sisters <laughs> are in their 30s. What a, bunch, what a bunch of
1: malarkey that you don't she know in sibling's she, ages. she has four
2: uh, young children that are just the sweetest little kids. She has two sets of twins, which is just unheard of, uh, which is crazy. But anyway, Damn. there's there were uh, the three of them first, and they all were going to Juilliard, and we're all training to be professional classical musicians um and my mom's a a concert pianist as well so that's she kind of drove everybody's music music um interests your dad plays the bongos he does that, from America's Captain. <laughs> he does. He, he, uh, he follows. Yeah. I think is what, is what he said. It's like, dad, what do you, Piers Morgan asked? He's like, so dad, what are you doing? He's like, I was following. It's like, yes, dad. Yes, you are. Um, but Very anyway, just to play the bongos, <laughs> he's just up there looking good. Um, but yeah, we, uh, they, my sisters and my mom got invited to play like a women's brunch, I guess, like just background music. And, um, they did a little concert and then from there it exploded. People d- split up and went to all of their churches and said, we need to bring these people to our church. And so from there it was just invite, 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 invite. And then slowly but surely we started to add the boys And You know what I mean? My, my older brother was the first and he's like eight and he's this little kid on stage singing. Uh, and so it's super cute and people loved it. So again, just more and more we just invited. And usually when we'd go to a church, they would invite us back the next year and then the year after that and then the year there'd be a yearly occurrence at all these churches um and so then once we got the full band together i think i was i was on stage when i think i was three I started on stage when I was three years old. So, I mean, I'm when just imagine like this family, there's a giant harp, there's a, a cello, there's and then you got these two little three year olds with violins the size of your shoe. You know what I mean? Like just the smallest little things.
1: Um, but you, and, you uh, definitely played at our school, too, right? Because I remember seeing like I remember you guys playing and like it was it was truly crazy. It was very you ever see that movie uh, Captain Fantastic, like this dad living in the woods with like, I think seven kids and like they all know like how to quote the best philosophers and like know how to like hunt and like all these (laughs) crazy kids like all kids i'm like when i think of your family like that's the real life version all like juilliard yale kids like with all these insane talents well thank you yeah we
2: uh i do remember the first because uh my my elder my older brother jack got into christian heritage and we had been homeschooled my sister's homeschooled my mom, she's a freak. She's the smartest person, one of the smartest people I've ever met. She taught all of my siblings their entire curriculums. I mean, science, history, math, and she built it herself. And again, ton, tons of tons of work, but she she um, prepared my sisters really well for college when it comes to an academic standpoint. I mean, my sister got in when she was sixteen, so she was ready when she was sixteen. But my mom, yeah, she homeschooled all of us. Uh and then my brother, Jack, got in to Christian heritage, his sophomore year of high school. And so he started going the first semester and we played a concert there. And I remember this day vividly. Cause I was like, man, I want to go here. I don't want to be homeschooled anymore. Uh, and that was kind of the story we did a concert and then they were we couldn't afford it though that was the issue we couldn't afford it was a private school and and then we played the concert and i remember uh mrs Olson was the she was the uh uh admissions director and she was like we'll find a scholarship for you guys you guys can come and i was like yes let's go uh i'm going to school
1: um (laughs) uh you graduation? you said right i did i I graduated from there what did uh jeremiah or no jeremiah did too
2: um we uh we both were doing the plays and, and doing baseball and basketball and just um I was so in student you know, government, him. you know, just we were just kinda of doing our thing and both graduated. Jeremiah ended up going to college. He ended up dropping out, but now he's in corporate sales and he's doing really well for himself. He didn't even get a degree. And meanwhile I you know, I have a degree, I'm in debt from college and he's, you know, running <laughs> off and making all this money. But
1: uh Jeremiah's hey, doing do well have, right do now. If you
0: have a knack for sales, then you're set for life. Yeah, that's a.
1: That's, I mean, I was just talking to Brian before we even got on and stuff, man. Like when's the last time I saw you guys? Cause I vividly remember going to school with everybody there, but I mean, I left when I was 13. So, I mean, it was quite a long time. That's 12 years ago, which is crazy to think about. I forget
2: that I'm 25 too. I'm like, wait, am I 26 or 20? Like I'm at that point, (laughs) we're at that stage in life where it's like, wait, how old am I? Like, I'm still like like kind of 21.
1: The The funny thing is you don't look that different to me though, man. Like I recognize you from grade school, which is funny
2: wild yeah you too um i think the last time we saw each other was like i i think it was like a uh a social or like so- we had like an ice skating thing that you came to like because you were still friends with a bunch of us, you know what I mean? After you left, and it was like, hey, we're all going ice skating. Yeah. I think it was like eighth grade or seventh grade. I think that was the last yeah, time I saw you uh,
0: at the rinks, the sports at the center rinks, at the rinks. <laughs> oh yeah, the the only place you It can might not <laughs> be
1: the same time, but I, the only I, I still have a scar here from the rinks from when I went to go try to talk to some girls and I fell so hard on my face <laughs> that my arms like flew out this way and I landed directly on my chin and. It completely busted open. Oh the ice. no! And they had to like. They had to block off that area because there was so much blood everywhere. And I just went to go try to talk to these girls and look cool. And instead I had to be carried off the ice because there was just so much blood coming out. Never
0: went back. Never went back. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. Oh, it's <laughs> not to go back.
1: Oh, uh, it was the most embarrassing thing in the world. It was just so, so sad. <laughs> I just tried to look cool,
0: just like with some sweet kid? cheeks.
2: <laughs> 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 just like fell everywhere. Hey, sugar, come um, here. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: bad, man. You ever but see I the inside of belt. a chin? <laughs> <laughs> That's so nuts. Um,
1: how's, uh, how's Josie doing? Josie's pretty good, man. She's uh, she's actually dating one of my really close friends, and she's in Boston now, and they, they live close together. He was my roommate here in Amsterdam, and then he uh, moved away to go be with my sister, so that was very strange wow that's weird <laughs> that's really they're weird. probably not yeah they're not probably gonna be too happy that i'm talking about that on a podcast but yeah shout out to my sister and my friend who my friend is, yeah my friend dating my sister um but she's doing good man she's doing good and then i moved over here and just started um working as an editor as well like you um i started working for this company that um does a lot of like vfx and editing stuff and they did The Lobster, if you know that film, by Yorgos Lom- Lomfomos. Very strange movie. Um, it's a good movie. It's about, it is good. It's about in the future, if you're not in a relationship, it's technically illegal. So they send you off to a hotel and you have two months to find a spouse. And if you don't find one, they turn you into an animal. Of your
0: choice, though. Well, of your choice. at least. Oh, my God. Choose. Yeah, it's a very, very strange movie. It's very, very strange. So cool. The Lobster uh, is be- Colin Farrell, the main character. That's his animal of choice he wants to be. Yeah, Colin, oh yeah, my god! Like, if I don't
1: find a spouse, I want to be a lobster. It's really good. I
2: recommend well, it's kind of like a, Honestly. it's, it's kind of like a Black Mirror esque. You know what I mean? That sounds a little yeah, bit like a Black Mirror uh, uh, plot there.
0: Honestly, yeah. though, I wonder if some people like in that society just like they know about it and they grow up and they're like, you know what, man. It really would be cool to be a penguin, so I'm not going to find any love. I just want to, like, I don't want to vibe about sliding down hills on my stomach and just, like, go fishing. Just do it. Just turn me into a penguin. It's it's a
1: really weird movie. Like, they they get also extra days if they go and hunt single people who live out in the woods camping. So, they give them these, like, tranquilizer guns and send these people out. And they have to, like, shoot people who are single. And if they catch single people, they get extra days added to their two months to find love. So it's <laughs> like it's it's it, really oh my weird. God, I mean, oh, and then, my um, God.
0: and then John C. Riley's character gets caught jerking it. And yeah, they like don't they cut off his hand or something? No, like no, no, that? no, no.
1: They they catch him. They catch, catch like masturbation is not allowed. It's a really weird movie. We're giving it all away, but like
0: he gets caught and then they they put it, it's been out for years. We can spoil
1: it's,
2: it. The next thing it's like Leonardo DiCaprio's and it's like there's so many like A-list actors
1: that yeah, are in this movie. It's really it weird, weird ridiculous. Like, so they, they put like John C. Riley's
0: uh, hand in a toaster because he disobeyed right. the rules. What? They just
1: yeah, it's really weird. And he things. has a lisp
0: in it too. So like, uh, I I don't know. I don't know if you you probably don't. But like this Adult Swim show, check it out with Doctor Steve Brule. It's John C. Riley plays this like man child and he talks in kind of like a he's very stupid so like watching this fairly serious movie and him trying to be like i, I wasn't jacking off yeah, but like thinking of his character as dr steve brule from this tim and eric special i'm just like i'm just cracking up watching him trying to defend himself
2: i it's, i gotta it's, say it's john, c Riley, john c Riley, john c Riley is one of the most um he has an, a, such a great ability to go from a movie like Anchorman to like Gangs of New York and just like that just bam he goes from being the silliest like uh, uh, Step Brothers you know what I mean like in Step Brothers he's the silliest funniest guy and then he goes to you know Gangs of New Yorker I mean he's been in a bunch of other movies where he plays a dramatic role but it's like I mean you you wouldn't be able to tell Brian
1: has a really good pitch Brian has a really good pitch to mix Elf with uh, Step Brothers 2 and uh and Krampus. Krampus is the really weird horror Christmas movie <laughs> oh. about the demon Christmas uh God. And it's something with John C. Riley and Will Farrell playing elves in their basement. Uh and then what's that yeah. guy's name? Adam A-
0: Adam, Scott. Cause Adam, Adam Scott. Because Adam Scott's in Krampus. So like Adam Scott is playing um Derek. The brother and stepbrothers. Yep. Um, She's got but he's also playing, and
2: <laughs> and then he's, also, like,
0: playing, he's <laughs> also playing his roles in Krampus. So like, um, and then Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are elves and John C. Riley is an elf from the South Pole who turned out to be the long lost son of the, um, of the mom in elf. So then they start to live together and become best friends. And then it turns out that John C. Riley down in the South Pole has works for Krampus because in the South Pole is on the North Pole and they're trying <laughs> to destroy Christmas. Wow. Um, but then Will Ferrell spends the whole movie showing him how great Christmas is and how awesome Santa is. We
1: pitched, we pitched this uh, podcast as like a really professional thing to you, man. But in truth, we just combine movies like this and make kind of those shitty directed DVD sequels. That's our job. That's our main focus. Honestly, like,
0: if I could just make a living coming up with Funny or Die, um, goofy trailers or just, um, making D movie direct to DVD sequels, I'd be set for life. That's where I shine.
1: (laughs) James, do do you all do you see yourself always, uh, then doing like direct streaming? Do you ever want to actually get into more like the, um, like, you know series scripted stuff like that or you want to stay in sportsman
2: so you know i i love sports um obviously you know i, I i've been but you love netflix too Sorry, I I to netflix sponsors. love netflix <laughs> um i you know it's it's funny that you asked that because i was thinking about this the other day because i'm trying to you know i own it so i own a, a live streaming company it's a treehouse media um and we we do all all aspects of live streaming could be a wedding funeral we've done we did a buddhist funeral um it was uh it was a a royalty from cambodia and there were you know 20 monks and like thousands of people on the live stream it's like a very wild very wild um funeral service excuse me um Anyway, we do live streaming for, all you know, weddings, funerals, uh, events, concerts, you name it. Um, and I, I've been doing a lot television type stuff for a long time now, for years. And, you know, I, I do think about uh, frequently uh, making a film or a documentary or a, a short um uh because it, it definitely is something that I, I would like to get into eventually i mean as an editor i have i try to incorporate some more film thematic uh film themes into whatever i'm doing uh just because i i think it's it's fun and it also looks good and, and you
1: just, seem I mean, to be you, you seem to be really acknowledged in like film and series like you're a fan obviously from our conversations so mm-hmm. yeah i i that's i
2: i um I have a a strong knowledge of just film because I've watched a million movies in my life and TV shows. So I've always been very passionate about it. Have I had the opportunity to work on a film? No, but I, you know, I've always been um, always been kind of leaning towards that. Even though I've been working in live TV, I've 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 been able to still enjoy movies. And and hopefully one day, I mean, I I definitely am open to the idea of of working on something like a series, a scripted movie um, or something along those lines like you guys are doing. Right. And so you got, so your, your company, what do you, what do you guys do exactly? What's your, what's your like forte?
1: We just established Karen Twins Productions as a legitimate company and as an LLC. But really what we want to do with it is create an art collective for like fellow artists to like come together and use it as a masthead for their types of work. So it's a production company, but more of a place where people can just experiment with all different types of form of medium as they want to so like brian and i do this podcast we do interviews we also do uh film um like uh club months where we just talk about movies right now we're working on a web series um we've done features and shorts um we work with a lot of composers um when um uh in the next coming year we talked about starting a band and stuff just like everything and anything that we can um you guys can use a
0: violinist for your band right
1: yeah, I was going to say actually if you ever make any of your You're like yellow if you, card. If, you, if you, uh, you guys ever make any shorts or features man, you could just score your own movie. You're set to go. You, I got know, entire, I know. you got you got nine people in your family ready to score that entire <laughs> thing for you. That's Dude, though, nuts. we have
2: I already have we already have like because uh, we recorded I think like 8 or 9 albums with the family. Um uh-huh. and so and so we have a ton of music that's just soundtrack mute essentially just soundtrack it's like the first you know we had we'd have an album where the first piece on the album was a piece written by my sister and it sounds like you're in middle of pl- middle earth i mean it's like it's a ridiculously good score uh and then at the end of the you gotta, album like, send it,
1: it to me in an email man i want it. to hear it it's yeah. actually it's
2: actually remarkable but um the and then at the end of the album it ends with my other sister's uh original score and it sounds like the other side of mordor it, it's just because we were big lord <laughs> of the rings fans i think that's where they got their inspiration from is this on um, spotify or
1: anything can i go and listen to this as soon as we're off the phone i'll share i'll send it
0: the- on spotify
1: yeah i'll send you the the one i'm thinking of specifically but yeah
2: we have Please a few do. that are just like actual orchestral like beasts of a score that would fit in any dramatic you know movie that's, like, amazing. that's honestly
1: amazing
0: oh, that's sick.
1: Well, you know, man, so like we're always looking for like the next collaboration, like really what Karen Twins just does is we love building connections and collaborations and then working with people we enjoy hanging out with. You know, like we made a feature film, which we've talked about enough on this podcast, but it um, won a couple of awards at a uh, uh, festival this past year. Oh, wow. Got Congrats, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's no no Emmy, but I mean, it's a start. start, It's a laurel. Um, It also got distributed to Amazon Prime, so you can go rent or buy it there. But we just realized, like, we made that thing with friends. Like, I think it was maybe 10 of us that put it together total, and it cost us like $3,000. We just had so much fun doing it um, that we felt like we had a really special connection with these people. Mm-hmm. So we kind of with Karen Twins decided what we want to do is just build those connections and keep working on cool stuff, you know? So I what don't know. Of, maybe what kind future, of cameras do you guys use? I mean, the whatever first time it was, yeah, it was whatever <laughs> we could get our hands on, you know? I think in the first one we used the Sony A7 um, nice. for night shoots, because the, the quality on that for night shoots is crazy. Low light quality that, is like, amazing, yeah. Yeah, uh, Canon C100 for the majority of the film, because we could rent it from our school um, at the time which we had to come up with a deal for. It's a total mess. And then we used iPhones for certain shots that we needed to use it for. Also like what Brian and I do for this podcast, which we've discovered is cause we don't have a lot of budgeting and it's a lot of independent work. We find ways to like get around it. So for this podcast, we also have like mics that are specifically compatible with iPhones. So you get better iPhone uh, quality and essentially Mm -hmm. just like a a wireless lav mic because it's cheaper um obviously for larger shoots we don't want to do that but for our first movie it worked out and we it seemed to work out to make an entire film and no one really noticed you yeah. know don't get bogged well, down by the details. well
2: a lot a lot of times in post too you find that um Friends, I actually, uh, I, I, now that you mentioned, it, I actually edited a, a, a movie and like an hour long movie, uh, this past December. Um, my brother, uh, who, Sam, who works at a church in Connecticut, um, they usually do this really, really big extravagant Christmas show. It's kind of like, like if you have like a high school musical, it's like the whole weekend, there's shows every night for the whole weekend. Like they would do this, but it'd be a Christmas show that they'd write every year and compose the music. My mom would write the music for it and arrange everything. And so it's a beast. I mean, they, they, they bring in an entire orchestra, um, actors. And I mean, it's a big production this past year because of COVID, they weren't able to do it. Uh, and so they were like, what can we do? And they're like, oh, let's do a movie. And so they try, you know, they, they hired me as the editor. And then I was kind of also like the uh, consultant. I, I was able to go to a shoot or two and show them, you know, what they were trying to do, but really they were, they tried to turn a stage play into a movie without knowing how to make a movie. You know what I mean? And so if that makes sense, like it's like the shots were not really, uh, they, it, it, their initial uh, concept was not really uh, built like a, for a movie uh it was kind of just like set the camera up everyone's in front of the camera and they i wasn't there for 75 percent of the shoot and there um it was not really the execution was not done to a, a level of standard i guess that i've been used to at mlb <laughs> obviously it's a church that you know they had a c300 which is an, a very nice camera um you guys said you were using the C-100. So this guy, this guy, you know, he has great equipment. He just doesn't. He's not trained in film and so in post Mm -hmm. i had to literally transform the movie i mean literally zooming in like i mean all the movements in every shot are done in post um all the coloring all the sound everything that is you know just stacking up sound and and color and whatnot so again it's like you know you get you work with what you got when you're shooting something like what you guys did it's all about in post what you can make it look like
0: yeah god bless post-production
1: I think also, like, what we, what, like, I kind of started to think about before me and Brian even got too serious about this, because Brian and I started just as writers together and then kind of broke into different sections of that all. Like, uh, I have a really close friend in LA who's a composer. Um, Brian knows him really well at this point too. And we came up with this idea of incorporating the pillars of the film as early as you can into the process. So that way you're prepared for those, um, those sections later. So when we started doing the feature film dilettantes we made, I had already introduced the characters and the story to my composer before I even had the drafts mm-hmm. finished. So we could start thinking about the different characters and how we wanted to highlight them. Mm-hmm. And the same with like me now being an editor professionally, I can already start to get involved on this web series post-production style Because I know what it's going to be like when we get to there. And I think it's important to incorporate those people early on. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Otherwise it gets pushed on me and you and we have to fix it all for them, (laughs) you know, at the end of it. Dude, you have you have no idea, and like the 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 thing with the
2: church, like it came out pretty good. Um, You know, they were definitely pleased with it, but it was like they had no idea what they were doing in the sense of like, oh, what we what they need. I tried to give them as much info as I could, you know, but without me being there, there was only so much I could do when it comes to like setting Mm -hmm. up the microphone to be you know usable. Um, But you know, it took. I had a month to do it, and it was like every night just figuring out okay what's the motif for this character you know what i mean what, what's the little if there's anything you know uh, like if you you guys saw castaway obviously with tom hanks uh it's like the da 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 da, da 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 like that that line that plays like when he's leaving the island and it's like the most like breathtaking music ever and it's like okay you, that's the composer wrote that for that moment um, because the director, commute, I think it was Semeckis, was it Semeckis uh, uh, I think directed Castaway um, he communicated with the composer off the bat like listen I need this moment to be brought out in the music um, and just like you said it's like it's so important getting that info to your composer because the music is just a part of the story as the plot is it's yeah. a part
1: of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why – so I sometimes just talk – like, again, the whole idea with the collective is just sometimes calling the people you're close with and just coming up with ideas together. So there's a really great movie um, uh, that I want to reference in a film called Elevator of the Gallows. And this movie is quite famous because the whole score is done by Miles Davis, improv- improvised. So he just watched the movie with um, wow. with musicians and they scored the whole thing as a jazz improv. And I'm like, I want oh, to do that so badly. Like, I want to, cool. I want to edit an entire movie and then I want to sit in a studio with my composer and I want to have him just like five Ooh. times put on a live concert and like make the music and whichever one we think is the best is now the score of the entire movie. And I think that's such a cool idea, right? Like, but you that have is. to talk about that early. You got to think about what type of genre do you want to use? What type of musicians? Like, here's the story. Like, you need to see it a bunch while it's being developed. So you already get the idea because just walking into the studio with no, uh, knowledge of the film would it would never work you know yeah
2: oh yeah oh Perhaps yeah
1: so and, i mean you'd have to have a brilliant
2: musician to be able to do something like that i mean uh, to to be able to just improvise
1: just gotta get the family into a studio bro and then we're gonna make it happen <laughs> i know dude it's gonna be a oscar <laughs> winner have you heard of the movie lost in london i have i haven't seen it though the, it's the Woody Harrelson live stream movie. So if we ever wanna do a sequel, I think here's the best idea ever. Brian comes up with a crazy sequel idea incorporating somehow cheers, white men can't jump, and lost in London, all with Woody Harrelson. We have you live stream it, and then I'll direct the thing. And this is now, we get Woody Harrelson on board, I mean, bingo, bango, bongo, bro. Just ward ceremony, galore.
2: let's uh Let's fit in Absolutely. three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri into that one, we'll
0: uh, him. Oh. We'll just give him, we'll give him the, well, he already has a Southern accent, but like, you know, the same type of tone that he was speaking in three billboards. That's just his character. He didn't actually die. He moved to London to open this bar called Cheers or Cheers 2. And uh, (laughs) then he also, for some reason, joins a street basketball crew.
1: Perfect. I love it. And then we're going to live stream the whole thing. No live stream at all,
0: man. It's perfect. It's beautiful. uh, Yeah.
1: I think
2: well he had his head covered right in three billboards outside of missouri so it's kind of like it's kind of like at the end so of don't breaking know bad it's actually, yeah you don't exactly. know exactly it's, it's like walter's well, laying there
1: good did good he point, actually do point. it is he exactly. alive it's like good yeah good you don't know yo um we're coming close to the end of this man but we just want to ask them if there's anything you want to plug i know you have your uh, treehouse media engine um oh brian's cat's going off we'll have to cut this part out
0: i'm gonna say it again well wow, that moment. that cat is uh, is singing goodness yeah. He's, uh, he grew up with the tobble family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Try it again. And action. Cool. Um,
1: yeah, man. So we're coming to the end and, uh, I just want to ask if there's anything you want to plug. Cause I know you have your own production company as well. Um, places that people can see some stuff from that or reach out to you for any live streaming stuff. Yeah. So,
2: um, I'm, uh, right now I'm, I'm working with, uh, uh, the company that I started with my partner, um, Dan Elia, um, he uh we're both uh we're we're pushing forward this this company where we live stream like i said for um we're we're working it's like a high-end live stream in the sense of you know it's four cameras remote setup controllers lights camera um graphics integration um audio everything so uh, you know we're, we're we're uh we're focused on any live event it's weddings it's um you know it's any performances, concerts. You name it. We're doing uh, a high school graduations as well. You know, it's pretty much um, anything in the tri-state area that is looking to be live streamed. We uh, we are able to do it. Um, It is the website that we have is treehousemedia.org. Uh, if you want to check out the website and if there's ever a, uh, if the, if any of the listeners are ever looking or you too, if you guys are ever looking to host a live event, we right now we're, we would, uh, be, uh, delighted to help you guys bring that to life and bring it to
0: a, a live television feel event. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys, uh, must've done pretty well throughout COVID then. Cause so many people need to change their, uh, events to virtual.
2: You know, it's, it's interesting that the, a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people just canceled their events. Um, for instance, like weddings last year, did it? There were well, no that's weddings. True, right. no weddings. There were there were no concerts. Yep. I mean, there were a couple, but there weren't any concerts. Uh, for the most part, um, uh, for a majority of the year, there people just didn't do anything. I mean, it was it was right. really just or it was Zoom, you know, it was bare bones. How do we not have any interaction with anybody? Um, OK, Zoom, you know what I mean? And Zoom only brings you so far. So um, our, you know, our uh, our sales pitch is like, listen, like this is a professional quality live stream. You'll feel like it's live television um, and it could be for your, you know, your wedding. Um, for anybody who can't come because of COVID or, you know, any concert or anything, it's like we can one broadcast it out to everybody who wants to watch it as well as um, make it feel professional enough to the point where you feel like you're on television. It's exciting. Like I said, that live television atmosphere is electric. Um, The, the aspect of a man, these cameras are on, we are live. People are watching. Um, Hi mom. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, you know, people, Mm -hmm. people love that. And so, uh, um, Yeah. This, this year is going to be a big year for us. Um, we, uh, people are starting to finally do things again. So, uh, you know, we're, we're able to get in there and, um, you know, spread the name as well as, you know, get some more, uh, gigs under our belt. And, you know, again, uh, grow the list of people that we're working with.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Also, I mean, you know, being a live stream producer or someone that's just making a lot of live stream content all the time, I would really imagine that you'd probably be very good, um, at scripted stuff too yeah
2: we um you know right now treehouse we are uh live stream we're really focused on live streaming again we started last year and we're we're focusing on our you know we're focusing on like one section of production but eventually we're looking to make it all a one-stop shop um for you know if there's a movie if there's a wedding photographer needed if there's a wedding videographer if there's just audio people needed i mean this is like we'll ideally be a one-stop shop for everybody so again we're focusing on one section right now but yes we we uh, um uh, would love to collaborate with anybody who's
1: interested in working with us and just like you guys you know we'd like think of something we'll do it and it'll be fun it sounds like right now we're in the perfect sweet spot where our specialities are slightly different but if we get to where we want to be we'll be rivals so let's do something now and build the friendship and
2: yeah it could be have to worry in 15 years it, yeah it can be like the Kimmel uh, Matt Damon thing where it's like they both they started very young and then they both grew into something uh, they both grew into their own thing and then they were like hey let's just pretend to hate each other for a decade exactly. and
1: then just grow this exactly. this feud we've kind of screwed that with this podcast but yeah exactly we'll delete it lines. we'll delete it
2: and just get we'll just start fresh this never happened make fun of each other the whole time and just uh, belittle each other and that'll be the podcast yeah and
0: we'll get pierce morgan to come on and hit the buzzer <laughs>
1: <laughs> no oh, PTSD, right oh no what did you do all right man yeah. well, we want to just say thanks again for being on with us it was a really great great time talking to you actually man and great catching up
0: yeah, it was great meeting you and, and learning more about, you know, what you've been up to and congratulations again on the Emmy. That's just that's just awesome. Yeah, seriously, it's sick.
2: Thanks, fellas. Yeah, it was a pleasure being on. Um thanks for having me. We uh we definitely went over a lot today, but I'm, I'm glad we I uh, definitely <laughs> got to catch up and Brian, it was yeah. nice meeting you. Uh, I'm sure we'll we'll be in touch soon yeah, or uh, well, we'll do another
1: interview. We'll have you back. Awesome, yeah. sounds good. Take me